Hello and welcome everybody. SF Live episode 106. It's Tuesday afternoon, 1 p.m. Pacific. In a few seconds, I'll be joined by Luke Alexander. He's president and CEO of Nucor Gold. We'll be chatting about the Enchi project in Ghana and all the activities they've sort of went through the last few months. It, uh, they didn't sit idle. They worked quite hard and we're going to get to all the details. But before we get started, make sure to follow us on YouTube, follow us on Twitter, hit the alert and subscribe button, and also leave a like and comment. We really appreciate that. Also, this is an interactive format, so make sure to use hashtag AskNCAU for your questions during this live conversation with Luke. That way you get your questions answered and you can get them directly to the CEO. Anything burning under your fingernails that you want to ask, type away, put it in Twitter. We'll see it and we'll get to it at the end. Now, it is my distinct pleasure to introduce Mr. Luke Alexander. Luke thanks for joining us i hope everything's well uh i can see you're in quarantine how are things yeah things are good just got back from gone on saturday so uh at a at a house quarantining at the moment i was i was joking before we went on like i could see a lock behind you right so got to clarify that you're in quarantine you rented a house and you're not in some mental institution or prison where they have to lock the toys away right <laughs> yeah exactly so By straight before we get to your trip to Ghana, I really, I'm really curious what you see and saw down there, what you saw down there, and what you experienced. But uh, before we get started, though, run us through Nucor. Uh, give us the 30, 60 second cliff note version of Nucor Gold, real quick. Yeah, absolutely. So Nucor, we're an exploration company. Uh, we've got our Enchi project in Ghana, district scale uh, exploration opportunity uh, in Ghana. 1.22 million ounces of resource currently sitting primarily in the oxide category. We've got a 58,000 meter program, which is the largest ever drill program, uh, which we're currently underway on the project and looking to get that done by May of next year. Fantastic. Well, that's the fastest, most cliff note version we've had on SF Live, I think. So really appreciate that. Uh, now that we're all on the same page, let, let's talk about company history. Nucor, you renamed to Nucor only in August, and you were Pinecrest before, and the company existed for a while before now hitting full throttle and going at it at Enchi. Uh, yes, you're starting with 1.22 million ounces. You already said that, but run us through the history uh, of Pinecrest slash Nucor, and how did you end up working with the company? Yeah, absolutely. So... So Pinecrest um, was the company that I joined and part of the reason for renaming it Nucor and, and, and rebranding the company completely was to show the market that we're recommitting to our Enchi project in Ghana and ultimately looking to push the project forward. If you look at the company's history, uh, Redback actually owned it in the early 2000s. They did a lot of work on the project. Uh, Edgewater uh, came in and, uh, and did a deal on the Enchi project. And, uh, and ultimately Pinecrest ended up with the project uh, over time. Pinecrest did a lot of work on the project and then uh, we, we renamed it Nucor Gold in August of this year. And that's one of the things that I talk about with a lot of investors is that there's a long history on the Enchi project and that's often the case with successful, uh, with successful projects and successful companies is that there is a long history and we're ultimately able to leverage off of all the work that's historically been done on this project. There's over 88 kilometers of work that's been done on this from a drilling perspective, uh, diamond, RC, rab drilling, as well as trenching. So all of that kind of work that's historically been done feeds our geological understanding uh, of the project. And to put it in perspective, the 58,000 meters that we're drilling at the moment, uh, that, that's more than any of the RC and diamond drilling that's been historically done on this project. And if you look at our resource of 1.22 million ounces, uh, that's made up of a, made up of about 50,000 meters of drilling. So, needless to say, this is a very significant drill program that we've got going at the moment, and we're really excited that it's going to 
hopefully add to uh, the the resources that we've currently got. Great. Like you, you mentioned a couple of things I want to dive on, like dive in a little deeper on is A is the oxide, but also uh, the resource. But we're going to get to that. I like starting off with cap structure and uh, sort of the financial history as well, just so uh, we get an overview of uh, what kind of animal we're fighting with here. And uh, you, you have 17 million in cash. Uh, cap structure looks pretty clean, actually. Only 98.7 million shares outstanding for a company with some history. Um, one thing that sticks out, obviously, management insider ownership, 32%, and also institutional holding already of 35% for a junior exploration company that's quite significant. Uh, give us a little more color there. Yeah, absolutely. So really tight capital structure, as you've highlighted, under 100 million shares. And one of the things I always like to highlight is no warrants outstanding. Uh, so I think that really speaks to the quality of the asset and the team involved that we never had to issue warrants to be able to attract capital. Uh, 32% management and insider ownership. So we think is shareholders first and we're extremely well aligned with shareholders from that perspective. The other thing I like to highlight on that point is that this isn't a company where we issued ourselves a whole pile of stock at a penny a share and then turned around and raised money from investors at 50, 60, 70 cents. We all put hard dollars into the company. Uh, a number of the insiders have been investing alongside other inve investors over a number of years. So we are truly aligned from that perspective and think as shareholders first. Uh, from an institutional ownership perspective, um, I spent 15 years of my career on the sell side of the business. 12 of those I was in London covering all the big global natural resources funds. Uh, if you go through our current shareholder list, you'll see that a number of them uh, currently appear as shareholders of Nucor. So it's been great to have their support. Um, we currently are owned 35% by institutional holders. That's probably spread amongst about 25 different institutional holders, you know, deep pocketed, long-term focused investors. So really great to have that kind of support. If you look at the $15 million financing that we recently did, uh, which closed at the beginning of November, we added an additional 15 institutional investors as part of that financing. And, and that's what took us to that 35% ownership. So great to have that support. And then I think equally important is having you know, good long-term investors is also having support from the street. Uh, we currently have five different uh, investment banks out of uh, Toronto who cover us from a research perspective. Um, you know, Cormark, uh, Haywood, uh, Raymond James, Sprott and Stiefel all covering us from that perspective. And again, for a company at our stage, two months uh, after relaunch to have all of those investment banks covering us, I think really speaks to the quality of the asset and the team involved that they want to be part of, uh, of, of a real growth story. Yeah, five analysts covering you is quite tremendous, actually, for a junior exploration company with, what is it, 75 million market cap, roughly. So uh, that is uh, quite extraordinary. Uh, w one point you mentioned quite often and, uh, is, is the team, right? So, so run us through that, because I think the team brings a lot of credibility to, to Nucor already. Hence, maybe you already have five analysts covering you. You get the street support. You did the $15 million brokered financing. So run us through that team history a bit and give us some more color on those fellas. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So um, again, I think, you know, part of the reason we've got such strong support from institutional investors and, uh, uh, and the street is, is obviously the asset we have, but then the team is, is critical. And, you know, there's that age old discussion of, is it the asset? Is it the team? And I think with new core, we've got both, which is, uh, which is fantastic. In terms of the team itself, I mean, I mentioned I spent 15 years on the sell side of the business, uh, raising capital, advising mining companies around the world, 
uh, 12 years, was in London covering a bunch of those groups. Um, our current chairman, Doug Forrester, he stepped up as chairman when I came in as CEO. Uh, he's, he was the CEO of New Market Gold, which was a $10 million company sold for $1.2 billion uh, 14 months later to, to Kirkland Lake, the Fosterville asset in, uh, in Australia, arguably one of the most successful stories in the past five years. A uh, bunch of the team are, are co-founders of Caliber, um, Caliber Mining. Uh, Greg Smith was the CEO of Caliber Mining uh, when it became a production company about a year ago. Uh, he came and joined us as full-time VP Exploration. Uh, Doug and Blaine and, and a number of other board members are still on the board of Caliber. It's created about $600 million of shareholder value in the last few years uh, and continuing to grow. Uh, we've also got Doug Hurst on our board. He was executive chairman of uh, Northern Empire, George Salamis involved in Integra Gold, Integra Resources. So again, you go down the list of directors and I think it's rare that you find uh, a team like that involved in a, in a company at our stage. Uh, heading up our business development and investor relations side of the business is Mal Carvasca. Uh, she's, uh, she, she's got a very strong capital markets background, comes from private equity, has worked on the corporate development investor relations side of the business for a number of years. So very strong team. And then ultimately, I always like to highlight our country manager as well. Uh, it's crucial to have good social license. And Dan Wilson's been with this project <coughs> on and off for the past 20 years. And ultimately um, is a very strong, uh, strong, strong uh, country manager for us. So a really strong team, which I think differentiates Nucor from a lot of our peers. Very, very interesting. And the, the team, as you said, is, tr is tremendous. And the track record, I remember when we were writing, or I was writing a newsletter, we covered Newmarket. It was one of our success stories in the letter. And you can all find that online. So it's not just empty words, but um, like everybody likes to peacock a little bit, right? Um, but it's been a tremendous success. So you've been in Australia with Newmarket, Caliber, obviously, and now Africa. And now uh, that's a perfect segue to talk about the project and she itself. Um, sort of, okay. Uh, Pinecrest always has been sort of a stable company of... Um, Blaine Johnson, Duck Hurst sort of group. I'm not even sure if the group has a name, to be honest. It's not the Discovery Group or the Incubator Group, right? Yeah, well, the the Featherstone Group would Feather. be uh, would be a name that uh, Doug uh, Forrester and Blaine and Doug Hurst uh, kind of operate under. Yeah. So, uh, like, what made you go to Africa? It's been in there for a while, but going to Africa, especially what we've seen now with uh, unfortunately Sun Peak Metals, what's been happening in Sudan, Ethiopia. Uh, of course, investors are a little wary. Um, West Africa is still a little better, but we sometimes we get negative reports out of Mali, Burkina Faso, great jurisdictions in general for mining, extremely mineral rich. Um, what, what made you go there? And uh, then we can dive into the project itself. Well, I, I think ultimately Africa gets um, often gets uh, painted with the same brush. Uh, but obviously, it's a huge continent with lots of countries within Africa. And, and, it, and it ultimately gets unfairly painted with the same brush often. Uh, Ghana is without a doubt a tier one jurisdiction to be operating in. It's got a very strong political uh, system and, and doesn't have any history of, uh, of violence and, and some of the issues that we're seeing in other parts of, uh, of Africa. Uh, Ghana is also Africa's largest gold producer. It produces five million ounces per year. It's the seventh largest uh, producer globally. Uh, I was just there for, for two weeks and not once did I feel unsafe. Actually, it was only after about seven days that Greg and I kind of looked at each other and said, we haven't talked once about security and we've been walking around the streets the way we'd walk around the streets of Vancouver. So really um, secure from that perspective. 
And ultimately, with that 5,000 ounces of production that you've got in country, you've got companies like Newmont who produces a million ounces. You've got Kinross, you've got Anglo Gold, you've got Goldfields, all um, operating in country. With that comes a huge amount of skilled labor, uh, as well as a huge amount of mining services that we're able to draw on for our entry project. And, and it's, it's a great country to operate in from that perspective. And then specifically for, for NGR project, uh, infrastructure-wise, we're very well positioned. We've got a paved road which runs through the middle of our property. You can drive 100 kilometers an hour along that road. Might want to slow down for the odd speed bump. Uh, there's a half a dozen petrol stations that that are that are dotted throughout our property. Power line which runs along it, and throughout the rest of our project, we either have gravel or dirt roads. So very well positioned from that perspective uh, uh, in uh, in Ghana. Sounds fantastic. And uh, let's dive a little deeper on the NG project that you mentioned and uh, 58,000 meters of drilling, 1.22 million ounces of resource. Run us through the category, run us through also like the metallurgy. And of course, like I, I like asking about the business plan. You're a junior explorer. Of course, you got to have a business plan in mind. What's the goal? Like, why are you drilling 58,000 meters? Where do you want to take this? Yeah. So as I've mentioned, this is the largest ever drill campaign that's happened on this. And we're drilling more uh, diamond and RC meters as part of this 58,000 meters than have ever been drilled on the project. Uh, and our view is where we're going to create the most shareholder value. And I guess part of the, the business plan question that you're asking, where we're going to create the most shareholder value is through the drill bit. So that 58,000 meters is going to continue to focus on a bunch of the oxides, uh, expanding the existing deposit areas and expanding the resource, as well as targeting a number of new areas across the property uh, that, that, that we've done work on, that we've done some previous drilling on. And then for the first time ever, drilling deep on the, uh, on, on the project. To date, we've only averaged about 50 meters, which is really focused on the oxides, uh, with our deepest hole only down to 175 meters. With this diamond rig, which is showing up any day, we're going to start putting the first deep holes into the project. We'll drill those down to 250 to 350 meters, start targeting some of those sulfides, which if you look at other projects along the Bibiani, uh, the Sepwe Bibiani uh, belt, you'll see where these greenstone hosted deposits really start to double, triple and quadruple in size is when you start to drill deeper. So that's going to be a big part of our focus for this drill program, but ultimately also continue to, 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 to expand those oxide resources uh, as well. With the goal of ultimately building this to a four or five million ounce resource, we'll continue to update the economic studies as we go. So look for in uh, kind of end of Q1 of, uh, of next year, we'll look to put out an updated PEA uh, and we'll continue to update those economic studies as we go. But really, uh, what your uh, your listeners should, uh, should should look for in Nucor is is us aggressively drilling and build, building this to a four or five million ounce plus resource. Awesome. So drilling fifty eight thousand meters. How many rigs on the project? And it's all RC. Any auger drilling? Because you said it goes down to fifty meters. Would the auger do anything? And uh, of course, diamond coming up. So it's. Historically, we've got about 12,000 meter of, uh, of auger drilling that's been done. We don't have any planned as part of, uh, as part of this program. Uh, we are doing a, a bunch of trenching. So Suem South is one of our largest anomalies, two and a half by three and a half kilometer anomaly. We're uh, doing about a kilometer and a half to two kilometers of trenching down there. And we'll be drilling that for the first time ever in Q1 of next year. Uh, in terms of your question about number of rigs, uh, we currently have two RC rigs on site uh, drilling at uh, both Boeing and Seum. 
We've got our, uh, our first diamond rig showing up any day now. Uh, we will send that to Boeing and start to drill the first deep holes ever at Boeing. Uh, it is uh, uh, one of our larger deposits. It's about 530,000 ounce, um, 530, ounces, similar, similar in size to CUM. But it's also where we've got the best geological understanding, given the historical uh, drilling that's been done there. So we'll target some of those deeper structures at Boeing. And then early next year, we'll have an additional two rigs, uh, two diamond rigs show up. And, uh, and we'll dedicate one of those up at Arati, which is uh, the, the furthest uh, anomaly to the north. It's about a two kilometer anomaly where we've drilled 10 holes historically. And we'll look to um, do further drilling up there. And then we'll have the other uh, diamond rig uh, continuing to target some of the at depth opportunities in our central uh, part of our entry project. So five rigs in, uh, in total will be turning early next year with the goal of having that full 58,000 meters completed by May of next year. Phenomenal. Like that, that, that's really detailed. And uh, like one thing I wrote down is like define deep, like how deep is like deep drilling for you guys? So with the initial uh, diamond drilling that we're going to be doing, uh, we're going to be focused on kind of 250 to 350 meters. Uh, if you look at the, uh, the initial um, uh, discovery that was made at, at Chirano at depth, uh, it was at their Pabuesi deposit. It was uh, that discovery was made at about 250 meters below surface, kind of 15 uh, meters at 14 grams. So when we talk about deep, uh, it's it's not that deep. We're still just really scratching the surface, uh, and over time, we'll ultimately look to uh, to drill deeper uh, on the back of uh, of hopefully success at depth. If you look at you know again Chirano to the north of us. Uh, they're currently producing down to about 750 meters uh, underground, and they've drilled down to about 1.2 to 1.3 uh, kilometers. So needless to say, again, these greenstone-hosted deposits, where they really extend and grow in size is as you start to get deeper, and, and that's one of the things that we're really excited about and what our shareholders uh, have, uh, have funded us to do, which is make some discoveries at depth. Perfect. And we don't want to get too technical, but you mentioned oxide before. Uh, do you see any transitional or sulfitic material going deeper? Like, what, what do you see in terms of uh, comparables to Shirano as well? Uh, what kind of indications did you get there? And of course, what does the metallurgy look like? Absolutely. So if you look at our current 1.22 um, uh, million ounce resource, about 75% of that sits in that uh, oxide category. And again, that speaks to the drilling that's historically been done on this project. It's really targeted that kind of oxide layer with the average depth only down to uh, 50 meters. Uh, then after that, we've got about 20% of the material which sits in the transitional category with only about 5% uh, sitting in the, uh, in the sulfides out of that resource. Um, and then from a MET perspective, uh, we have done some MET work and we're actually continuing to do MET work. We've just sent another batch to our assay lab to do follow-up uh, MET work, but kind of around 72, 75% were, uh, were the initial indications from a recovery perspective on those oxides that we, uh, we have and, and transitional. Awesome. Let me switch over to Twitter real quick because we got a question in there that uh, fits in there. And uh, the question is from Kip Keen. And uh, he's asking, I presume mining three separate low-grade gold deposits will require a fair bit of trucking feed. How is the infrastructure and how much of an issue will it be for local communities? In the same vein, is there a good analog in country or similar situation? So in terms of um, 
in, in in terms of infrastructure and and where our current deposits sit, they're all they're all um, uh, within relatively close proximity of each other. So we could could foresee a situation where we've got a, a central plant and we and we truck the material to that central plant. Uh, there's also a scenario from a from a heap leach perspective where we have individual heaps at the different deposits and basically process it from that perspective. So. Uh, it's slightly premature to to indicate what the eventual uh, mining will be uh, for 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 these deposits, um, but we do have multiple options, and uh, and ultimately we'll end up determining that uh, based on on the amount of uh, of resource that we we find over time, and hence the reason that we will continue to update our economic studies. But I think um, you know the real goal is to grow this to four or five million ounces, where we can ultimately uh, make a make, make a final decision in terms of what will create the most value for our shareholders in terms of whether it's an oxide and then uh, CIL tip type situation, or or whether we go the uh, the CIL route right out of the gate. So those th- those will all be determined over time. Great. I don't think we have any other questions on Twitter at the moment, but feel free. We're going to be live for another couple of minutes. But uh, I, t- I told you before, like, I try to be critical. I'm German. Like, this would be like a Precious Metals Summit meeting. I'd be investing my own money. And I- I'm looking for the kinks in the story here, right? Like, for the for the kin- kinks in the armor. Uh, what is something that doesn't let you sleep at night? Uh, something that doesn't let me sleep at night. Uh, uh, well, I guess the 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 overall gold market i guess would be something that you know is completely out of our control um and you know like anything i think we're we're well positioned in terms of the support that we have from a capital markets perspective but like anything if 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 the gold price were to fall to fall to $1200 then that'll make uh, our business along with any other gold business uh challenging so i mean that'd be kind of the the main thing that's out of our control that um that makes me, um, yeah, that, that would concern me. Project specific, uh, there's nothing that really keeps me up. I mean, we've got a great team on the ground. We've got great, uh, uh, you know, exploration opportunities and partners that we're working with currently uh, and a great country, as I've talked about in some detail. So, um yeah, I'll try to come back to you with something specific. <laughs> well, seriously, I, I'm German, right? So I always look for the negatives, and it, it's tough to find anything, and it's uh, that's rare. Obviously, there's always a, there's no perfect mining companies. I'm sure there's a skeleton in the closet, you know, telling us about. But um, uh, other than that, like uh, my last question is pretty much lab uh, lab capacity right now. You're drilling fifteen thousand meters. Like, what is that looking like in terms of news flow? And that sort of puts a, puts a bow around what we've been talking, like news flow catalysts next three months. What are we looking at? Yeah, so absolutely. So I think you can expect to see results coming out kind of every three, four weeks. Uh, we'll put those out in batches, and and needless to say, there'll be there'll be lots of drill results over the next six months. Uh, from a from a lab capacity perspective, um, we're getting our assays turned around in two or three weeks, and we actually stopped in at the assay lab that we're using uh, a week ago and and spoke to them in detail about you know the the drill program, and and they're comfortable that they'll be able to continue to deliver results in that kind of a time frame. So that's again one of the nice things about operating in Ghana is is you've got that kind of mining services in country. Uh, and then, uh, and then also we'll look to put out that updated PEA uh, early, early next year. I'd say kind of end of end of Q1 is when you can expect that. 
And ultimately, we think that will create an underpinning of value or further underpinning of value for the company. If you look at our 2015 PEA, which is now stale dated because of the updated 1.22 million ounce resource that we put out, that had a pit constrained resource of 712,000 ounces. Uh, so we've obviously added about 500,000 ounces. Uh, a big part of that was because of the dropping of the cutoff grade. Um, but we think that there's an opportunity for us to further underpin the value of the company by uh, updating that PEA as well. So drill results in that PEA will be the two, uh, the two big catalysts and hopefully making more discoveries at some of these new targets that we're focused on, Seum South, Tokasia, Naquanta, as well as making some discoveries at depth. As we've discussed, Boeing, Suem, Niam will be the first areas that we look to drill uh, some of those deeper holes and, and, and start to get into those sulfides. Excellent. Luke, uh, nothing else from my end to add there. You, you summed it up perfectly. Uh, we should definitely get you back on in, in, in March, uh, end of Q1, when you come out with a PEA. That'd be fantastic to talk about details. Uh, that's it from my end. Like, Unless you have anything to add, I think that was fantastic. It was uh, quite comprehensive. And uh, I want to thank everybody for dialing in. Thanks for following us here on Twitter. The only other thing I'd add, Kai, is I'd, just, I'd encourage everyone to kind of check out our website, newcoregold.com. Follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn and Facebook, whatever kind of social media you like best. We do a real uh, uh, good job of getting stuff out there to the market. And anyone who's got questions, I'd, I'd highly encourage you to, to reach out and get in touch. We really like engaging with our shareholders and uh, and would welcome uh, your listeners as shareholders and look forward to working with them going forward. Reminds me, I loved your YouTube video, by the way, standing on the project. It was only 45 seconds, but uh, I like getting a feel for the area. So that was good to see. Um, as I was saying, everybody else, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for following us here on Twitter. We'll be uploading this, of course, to YouTube as well. So follow us there. Hit the subscribe and alert button as well. That way you get notified when we go live with another update. And uh, thanks for your question. Thanks for tuning in. And thanks for making this an interactive format. Luke, thanks for joining us.